Uh, oftentimes, the anxiety that the kids end up feeling is the anxiety that's birthed by us, the parents. Oh, that's good. That's very good. I'm anxious. And then I drive that anxiety into the child, you know, and it's part of part of us managing the anxieties for ourselves, but also for our kids. So they themselves don't end up becoming very anxious because we are so anxious. Hey, this is Eddie. Hey, this is Ndebo Archer. Welcome to Defying Self Podcast. Yeah, so this is a real one. Um, defying the anxiety of parenting. Uh, we'll talk about where it comes from and what you do with it. But I guess this all started with a experience that you walked through, uh, Ntebo. And so let's like kind of roll right into the conversation that we're having about this. All right, let's go. My oldest son is doing swimming lessons, but I was just really not satisfied with what the teachers were doing and the general interaction, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm experiencing a level of anxiety as I'm looking at this. Um, and I'm like, and in my mind, it's, it's, a, it's a thing of, oh man, I wouldn't do it like this. You know, this is not how it's supposed to be. And, you know, like as a parent, I'm getting anxiety and I guess the anxiety is that you guys are slowing my child down. You know, he can do so much more if you would only coach him right and all of these things. So I was sitting there, I was thinking, man, how do we deal with parenting anxiety? Mm, right. right? It's a small thing, but it sometimes can be a big, sure. a, big, a big thing. But I'm like, parenting anxiety is a thing that, you know, comes up, right? And I'm like, wow, so how do I deal with it? Right. Yeah, you know, so that's that's how this is this this is what uh, why we here, you know, to talk about a, okay. uh, parenting. I mean, so anxiety. so what is parenting anxiety? Like, let's let's flesh that out a little bit. Anxiety, anxiety for me, I think it's it's something that is. Uh, well, let's just talk on the very practical, basic. Level. Yeah, I what, think you should just anxiety? show like actual right. examples because there's be more. You call it, oh my gosh, I have a stomachache, and it's not a physical stomachache. It's the <laughs> it's your way of saying, oh, this thing is causing me anxiety. So just give it's, us it, like No, examples, it's, it's, so. it's those two things linked together. It's, mm-hmm. it's a set of physical feelings yeah, that sure. are initialized by cognitive processes, mm-hmm. right? By, 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 it's cued by thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, worries, yes. things that pop up. Mm-hmm. And, and it connects to your feeling. It connects to your body. Yep. Right. Um, and so what happens in anxiety is that it's the feeling that I have to deal with this or this is the end of the world. Right. I have to get through this. And so, of course, his parents were like, hey, dude, you know what? I'm going to solve it. I'm, I'm going to come up with plan A, B, C, mm-hmm. D. I'm going to call this person. You know, I'm going to have this conversation and 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 deal with the feeling of anxiety. Um, and of course, the key thing is that that differentiates this from real life danger because that's like a normal cue, right? If mm-hmm. you are in the major, in middle of a dangerous situation, uh, you need to cue, I'm in a dangerous you know, neighborhood. I just saw something happen and I need to cue my body to react. Yeah. But I think it's when it becomes irrational mm-hmm. is when it's what's labeled like this uh, unhealthy anxiety, right? So, so for me, um, as a parent, you know, I've I've seen this my anxiety kind of queue up um, uh, when I hear things like my kid being you know bullied at school. 
You know, this is like, boom. Uh, another thing for me is when I see my kids, um, uh, just bad behavior, you know, yeah. and it's like, and I, you know, look, for me as a clinician, I, I have to keep telling myself like, hey, Eddie, mentally put away, put away my DSM, put away my therapy book. Like mm-hmm. this isn't, my kid doesn't have significant personality disorders. <laughs> put it away. It's not all that. Um, so, so it's like, it's just, just that I see this, this behavior and I think, oh my goodness, what does this mean for the future? Yeah. But I think that those are key things that cue it for me. Yeah. And anxiety is you get cold, you get several calls from school, right? In a period of two weeks. Um, and it feels like daily calls. Um, oh, your son did ABCD. You go pick them up and you have to sign the record that yeah. okay well right, right you know he bid little johnny right and you have to sign sure um you know he pushed somebody and they got a bruise and you have to sign right right so those things when they happen at least i i'm just thinking of the time when it was like happening repeatedly you know over a period of two weeks then those things can create anxiety right we're like, oh my goodness, um, you know, this feels like it's falling apart, it's going downhill. I mean, it's one thing when it's like a once-off, but I just remember that that time when all of that yeah, stuff was happening mm-hmm. created like a lot of anxiety, sure. right? right? So, yeah, so I think the behavioral things can create a lot of anxiety, um, specifically when we start projecting present behavior to the future. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, he just did that. And then you sort of like forecast it to, okay, well, if he is, um, you know, being mean to his brother and acting a certain way, does it mean that he's going to end up becoming a bully, right? Like as in, you know, just as a small example, you know, he keeps pushing his brother around, et cetera, et cetera. Is he going to become a bully? And those things can, I mean, that's like probably like a, 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 you know, like a silly example, but I'm like, either way though, I think that whole, like you're saying the future projection or taking a small situation and just, um, uh, superimposing it can be the thing that causes anxiety. Or for me, like recently, I see my son going through something and then it kind of like was a historic trigger of something that I'd seen or something that happened. And instead of that moment, I was like, you know, feeling very anxious because you remember, let's say, certain bad things that don't have happened to you and you see something that reminds you of that and then you kind of like project it and you could, you know, freeze up with fear or with with a sense of anxiety. Yeah, I think I think you um you've actually prepared a a few key things that that has been milestones and understanding it and directing it. Um I think we have and in different ways kind of touched on a lot of those points already, but I'd love to just kind of walk through each one and, and talk through it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the first thing is, yes, what causes anxiety, right? So some of the things that I know personally have caused anxiety is when I sometimes have unreasonable expectations, right? Um, So what's unreasonable expectation? So an unreasonable expectation is me expecting, let's say my one year old to be potty trained. That's unreasonable. Is the expectation in itself for the child incorrect? No. So the expectation that I have a small child who one day needs to be potty trained, that's the right kind of expectation, right? So I have an expectation that this very selfish child of mine will one day learn to be kind and sharing. The expectation is perfectly fine. 
right? But it's unreasonable when it's misplaced. So now I have a one-year-old, but I want, let's say, you know, again, it's a hypothetical um, situation. But nonetheless, I think that even though it's hypothetical, question is, what areas and what ways do we take expectations that are good, but we place them on our kids out of context? Right. Right. So you're one year old and then what? Mommy wants you to be potty trained. That's that's ridiculous. There's no mm-hmm. ways a one year old is going to be potty trained. Right. So the same way where I can look at my four year old. Right. And let's say I'm trying to teach him to. To 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 um, to be kind to his brother and to 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 respect boundaries because my four year old likes to. Um, he has a sensory need, so he likes to be all up in his brother's um, space and and you know and you know uh, play rough and just always be in his space. Probably like in a way that's more than you know other people. So in his case, the thing that I'm trying to teach him is you need to learn boundaries, right? So I think the key thing for me is to remember that yes, he needs to learn that, but just because you say it today does not mean he's going to say it today. You know, it would be unreasonable for me to want him to get it on the spot. And I think moments where I felt anxiety has been moments where I have a, a place that I want him to get to, but I'm unreasonable as to how quickly I want him to get there. Right. And I see him and I'm like, oh, no, he's not there yet. And then you end up feeling very anxious. And I think a great example for us recently is we've been teaching our son slowly to learn to read. You know, and in the beginning was tough, but I think it was tough because we had to learn to adjust our expectations. Yeah. To set our pace to his. And over time, you realize that, well, what this, what this child needs is space and time. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't right. open a book today. And say, oh, I'm going to teach you to read. And then he can't read. And then you get frustrated. And then you get anxious. And oh, oh my goodness, he's never going to read. You know what I mean? So those are like simple examples. But again, it's like what situations do we take an expectation that's good, but we put it out of context? Yeah, I like that. And I guess what I'm hearing is, well, what do we do with our expectations, right? How, how do we manage that as parents? And it sounds like it's important that we begin with expectations. It's important yes. that we have goals in sight of where mm-hmm. we're going with this thing. Yeah. Uh, but it also sounds as if the experience of walking through it has to also uh, um, tap into our flexibility, mm-hmm. right? So, so we're walking through it and we're learning who our child is as an individual, right? Yeah. Um, uh, how they work, how they, what makes them tick. So that adjusts our expectations. Then we look at their developmental capabilities, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> I remember earlier on, we're teaching our son um, how to read, but it, it, I, I think one of the clear things is that cognitively, he just wasn't making that link. Like it just, things just didn't make sense the way that we wanted it to make mm-hmm. sense for him. So it's like, well, there's a pace here and we have to meet him where he's at. Yeah. And then of course, there's this there's this even bigger, more important uh, thing of just getting sight of who my son is, you know, mm-hmm. from an elevated standpoint. What does God say about my child? You know, and that informs my expectation. And so it may not be, you know, oh, it's got to be hardcore academic. It'd be, hey, you know what? This kid is a builder. So we need to, you know, so it's yeah. it's like having sight at that, at that level of it yeah. will also inform 
um, yeah, how we interact with it and how we how we respond to it. Yeah, and that thing that I just thought of is, you know, for example, in the U.S., where there's been a recent college scandal, right, where parents that have money have found ways to work the system to make sure that the kids can make it to the top. But anyway, so like just reading up and following up on the stories, the thing that became obvious to me is that there's a great deal of anxiety on the kids and there's a great deal of stress for the kids to perform, right? And I'm thinking that, yes, fine, that could be part of the system. But I think uh, oftentimes the anxiety that the kids end up feeling is the anxiety that's birthed by us, the parents. Uh, that's good. That's very good. Right. That's true. So I am putting my child under pressure. Like I have a sense of anxiety because I want them to achieve and make it to an Ivy League school and I'm anxious and then I drive that anxiety into the child. And then, you know, perhaps when they're young, because kids are a lot more buoyant when they're young, but eventually they also end up picking up on the anxiety from the parent, right? So I think that's the other thing. I'm like, okay, well, so that's so important for us to watch, you know, and it's part of part of us managing the anxieties for ourselves because, you know, I mean, we, if you've ever experienced anxiety, it just really sucks a certain level of energy out of you that's just not pleasant. Um, but, you know, so it's for ourselves, but also for our kids. So they themselves don't end up becoming very anxious because we are so anxious. That's excellent. That's excellent. It's a lot of the parents I work with, their biggest regret is is holding on to so much anxiety because they watch their kids pick that up in their lives and watch their kids like really struggle with the same issue. And it's, I mean, it's a great point. It's a motivation for us to clean this area up mm -hmm. because we don't want our kids, they're watching us. Yep. Um, and we don't want them to pick up that same anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So there's like a moment of conviction for me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So this is a good moment just to take a break. Um, and I want you to know that you don't have to do this alone. We have an online Facebook group that's private and it's full of people that are wise and working to be better for their kids every day. Uh, and I want to invite you to be a part of that. Just go over to defyingself.com and click on this episode. And inside of the show notes, you'll see an invitation right there to have a community around you. All right, I'll see you there. All right, so, so what else do you have? <laughs> um, and then, so the other thing is a lack of trust in others. So a lack of trust in any other parent, guardian, system that also parents your child apart from yourself, right? Um, and I think what it does is that it doesn't say scare. It, it does not say, hey, don't do your homework and scan, you know, the school, the friends, the you know, whoever else interacts with your child. Of course, we need to do all of that because we want to make sure that to the best of our ability, we are placing our kids in environments that align to the values we have. However, I realize that to the extent that I do not trust that other people have the be my child's best interest and heart, that also creates anxiety. Because sometimes it's not true. It's not that they don't care about your child. It's just that they are so, they're different. The expression is different to you, right? So I teach my kids a certain way. And then somebody else could come where they're actually really trying to teach your child the same thing, but in a different way. But because of mistrust, you sort of like clamp up and you like become very, you know, suspicious and mistrusting. And with that mistrust, it means that 
you know, you let you drop your child at school, but you are still, your mind is still at school and you are, you know, whether it's worried or anxious because you're wondering, are they doing as good a job as I am? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I mean, I do believe that, yes, we do have to trust the spirit of God in, in internal instinct. Like if something is off, it's off. But I think sometimes it's not that something is off. It's just that that person is not you. And yes, you don't trust anybody else as much as you trust yourself. Mm-hmm. So given that you have to share parenting, um, but it's not really comfortable for you, you know, that could be an opportunity for anxiety. Sure. To become a thing. Yeah, I, and I appreciate that. It's almost like we have to trust, we have to tr- trust the adults in our lives to be adults, right? And I think uh, uh, it's like we have to trust that they have the best uh, interest of our kids in mind. You know, I was telling um, I was telling Tibble the other day about a, a book. You know, I read tons of um, development books and you know uh, business books. And one of the things that I've read recently about delegation is this issue of if you can train somebody to do something seventy percent as good as you can, you need to be able to let it go and let them do it. Uh, because that's a lot less anxiety on you to have to carry. Um, but you realize that 70% is enough to take what you're doing forward. Yeah. You know, um, as opposed to the anxious thought that says, well, you're going to take my kid back and you're going to, you know, they're going to tra- backtrack and, and not you know, progress parent the them as good as I am going to yeah. parent them. But then <laughs> right. the other option is, well, you can't do everything yourself. Right. So you could try not delegate and then run yourself into the ground and then, you and your kids miss a whole lot in the process. Or I could learn to trust a bit more and be okay with the fact that, hey, this person is seventy doing 70%, right, of what I would would do. But, yeah, you know, I think that that talks about be balanced. Right? Yeah, just be balanced. Right, right. That's good. All right. Yeah. What else? All right. And um, so the other thing is fear of the future by projecting the current to then. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So like I said, one. my child is doing something right now that I look at and I'm like, oh, oh my goodness. Wait, wait. If you're doing this now, what does this mean? Are you going to <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. be doing, you know, the, whatever in the future? It's like you fast forward those stories yeah, exactly. 30 years. And <laughs> And I mean, that happens, you know, there's times where, you know, I have to almost put the brakes on myself to say, hey, relax. Mm-hmm. Okay, relax. Yes, fine. They just punch their brother in the face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's not a good thing. But, you know, let's not panic and project this thing and say, oh, my goodness, in the future, they're just going to be going around and like terrorizing people and punching, you know, <laughs> punching, you know, their friends and all of that. Um, yes, and of course, on the other hand, yes, if there is no engagement of process and, um, you know, nurturing of the child to make sure that, because again, they come the way they are, they come, they know how to break laws, to 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 sin, to, you know, to, to do stuff that they shouldn't do. They, they come like that. But I think, nonetheless, we are here to help shape them so that eventually they can make the right decisions. But I know, though, there are moments where I see things and they can easily be a sense of panic that, oh, great. So, you know, right now I'm seeing this, but I'm like already projecting 10 years. But as I need to come down, because between now and the 10 years, 
is me, the par- it's us as the parents. Between us and 10 years, you know, there's God, you know, he's faithful, he's invested in my kids. So there is going to be work that's going to be done to correct the behavior between now and 10 years. So there is no need to be freaking out, right? And seeing something that is actually age appropriate. Right. Because some of the misbehavior sure. is actually really age appropriate things. Of course, yeah. So your child is always breaking um, locks and finding their way around uh, cupboards and whatever. That's age appropriate because at a certain age, that is how they learn to explore, to break down things, break down boundaries, to try to learn and, ex- you know, to mm-hmm. and grow. Um, so that is age appropriate. But I mean, I think. Let's just walk that for yeah. a second. So, mm-hmm. you, yeah, your little ones break things, get into things, age appropriate. School age, you know, you get you're getting into a little bit more of, uh, you know, th- some of the bad behavior that they're seeing from school, bringing mm-hmm. home age appropriate. Yeah. Uh, teenage attitude, rebellious, age appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so it's almost like I remember listening to, um, uh, you know, one of the the mentors I look up to and, and the thing that he was mentioning is like, you know, you watch these things develop and there's something there's something that should occur in your heart where you smile and say, that's my boy. That's ex- that is that is appropriate for his development at the same time. Yeah. You know what? You're punished. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm taking this away and I'm coming down yep. hard on you. But in your heart, you're like, that's my boy. That's exactly what I'd expect at this yeah. age. And he's he's right inside of that process mm-hmm. that I expect him to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. and then I, that's the thing for me to always remind myself, and this is the part where you know it it helps to, you know, to have you because I'd be like, well, you know, let me recognize how I'm feeling. I am feeling this way. Right. I saw that, and oh my goodness, it scared me because you know this is what I saw in the future and all of that. But then you're like, okay, well, let me come down though. This thing is age appropriate. So what does my response need to be? Right. Right. So my my older son, so oftentimes when we're in church, he's generally like filled with a lot of energy. So he's the kind of child that it's very difficult for him to kind of like be still. And he he's always moving. Right. Um, you know, and of course, when he was younger, he, ha- you know, would let let him move because he is, again, very young. But as he's growing older, we're trying to bring him more into a structure to say, hey, it doesn't take that long to worship. All right. So we need you to begin to learn to take the five, 10 minutes um, and let's sing the song, you know, let's pray and you can then resume, you know, with what you need to do. So I would have felt a lot of anxiety looking at him and sort of like struggling to get him to that place. And then I remember just having a thought to say, hey, let it go. So the thing that I'm not letting go is not that he needs to get to there he needs to get to a place where he can focus and spend five minutes you know that's not the thing that i'm letting go but i had to let go of the anxiety and just this pressure to want to have it done now but recognize that you know what this is where he's at age-wise so and then i think the minute you can like realize that wait no this is age appropriate i feel like what it does is that it allows you to say well then how do i communicate to him in a way that at his age he'll understand Sure. Rather than just trying to come down with you know on him with my demands for you to do this, but rather it just allows you to say, "We're gonna get there, but I see where you're at, age appropriate. So how do I begin to bring you in?" Right. And I think it's really helped me a great deal, where you know when we go into like a time of worship. 
because I know where, you know, he's sort of like, he's at by default. So I just take him aside and I remind him that, hey, remember, this is important for us to do. Okay, just remember. And I find that the minute I have come off my place of high expectation and recognize where he's at, it's allowed me to find a way to communicate to him in a way that I've actually found has been, has allowed him to be a lot more responsive. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right to the process and to you know this journey where we're trying to take him on. That's great. That's great. And I think uh, again the the whole issue of us fast forwarding a instance in our current in our in our present moment and seeing what it looks like in the future if we don't change it immediately. Right. I, you know I think that's something that as parents we get in trouble with um, because it, you know look it just it for us it makes sense to see things that way. Right. That's how. That's how everything works. There's a you put a plan in place and you get an outcome. Mm-hmm. You know, you you work something and then it should produce something. But I guess what we have to hold on to as parents raising human beings is how fragile, inconsistent, and unpredictable a human is. You know, um, the the issue of how some things that as as we grow up stick and we don't know why, but I remember this one thing and it stuck and it changed my life. While other things that were more significant and that would, you know, shake anybody else just kind of falls off. Mm-hmm. It's just it's hard to predict what's going to stick. Um, and and so so I think it's important that as parents, we don't we don't rely on the on the principle of I'm going to, you know, build and then it's going to create this, you know, but this thing of it's not just about the behavior on the outside of master, but I have to train the heart. Mm-hmm. If I train the world, the way you, you child understand the world, I can help shape the way that you respond to everything. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, if I can help you understand that, that you're not a victim, that you are, you know, you are excellent, just who you are is enough and that you can overcome anything. And that if you can work, I mean, just all those little principles that we try to teach Mm -hmm. we have to kind of sit on that you know and kind of trust it's almost parenting is a a work of faith yeah you know it's it's, we're sowing these seeds and we almost have to hope that the right things will grow Mm -hmm. um, and trust that they will grow Mm -hmm. um and the things that so easily grow i mean nobody teaches a kid how to sin how to you know be you know, rotten. Mm-hmm. It's just like in our hearts, we're like born with it. Yeah. <laughs> but we have to kind of have faith that that will wilter away and just not fit, mm-hmm. not fit anymore for that child. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. All right. So then the next segment is, so what are the solutions? How do we deal with anxiety? And I think we've mentioned, you know, some of these things as we've been speaking so far. Uh, but yeah, so like, how do we go ahead and manage anxiety, uh, manage ourselves so that we don't find ourselves in situations where we are anxious and then remembering again that our anxiety could end up becoming our children's anxiety. And that's definitely the thing we don't want. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so for me, the, one of the big things I've learned is time. Things take time. Right. It's like it's not a sprint. Parenting is a journey. So what you just mentioned, I like the point that you just mentioned, because at the end of the day, we're not trying to just change behavior. We are trying to birth life inside of the hearts of our kids so that even when I'm not looking, you will know what the right thing to do is. 
And one of the things that I've changed in my language is when I see my boys doing something, I don't say, I don't want to see you doing that. Because, and it's not to say that there's something wrong with that, but it's just for me, I realize that it's not even a question of what I see you do. I want you to do the right thing, even when I am not looking. Because, and it's more for me, right? Where I don't want them to have a mentality that, well, I want, I'll do uh, and behave a certain way, you know, when mommy sees me, but when she doesn't see me, I can do my own thing. Right. So that's just more like the way I communicate, but for myself to remind myself that, hey, I'm trying to teach this child, but I'm trying to um, get to their heart so that their heart and their minds will change and begin to think, you know, from one way to the next. But the thing is, changing a person's heart, one, it, only God can. And then two, these things can take time, especially for kids, and especially as we're talking about the issue of age appropriateness, that these things take time. So yes, we start off with nobody wanting to share anything, right? But as a parent, I have to remind myself that, hey, the game changer here is that are you going to stay committed to the process for the long haul and not become discouraged by the short-term failures? Are you going to continue to stress the same thing so that this child who is selfish eventually offers a cookie to their brother without the brother asking, right? But it's like, so I've had to remind myself that, hey, it takes time. Relax, breathe. Yes, they're misbehaving today. But the key thing is, are you still committed to the process? I, as a parent, and if the answer is yes, then there's nothing to worry about. Right? If the answer is no, then there's something to worry about. But if the answer is yes, then it's okay. It's not a sprint. It's a journey. Right? So one of the things that my son will say now is, oh, broccoli is my favorite. Huh? What? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> it's like, is this real right now? What? <laughs> Oh, carrots, celery, it's my favorite. What? It's true. Guys, we had a <laughs> meal today. And so the meal was chili, uh, chicken and fries, or or a platter of vegetables with carrots and celery and cucumber and, and hummus. Broccoli. And broccoli. And my boys tore up the vegetables. Nobody touched the fries. Um, it it was so amazing. I'm like, I kind of I can't believe we're here. Yeah. Yeah, because guess what? It's taking time. Yeah, it's time. Right. but And that's the thing that I have to remind myself. That, hey, as long as you are not going to stop putting the vegetable, right? And again, it could be anything else. Putting the vegetable in front of him and trying to find ways to encourage the child to eat them. As long as you don't give up, then it's okay. Then the process is safe. Then the child is safe. Because with time, eventually the thing that is not natural and they're so resistant to is eventually going to become a thing that they become be, begin to love. So before you know it, it's, oh, I love broccoli. Before you know it, you know, the selfishness is replaced with kindness. Before you know it, there's, you know, respect. Before you know it, there's, you know, like behavior is becoming aligned and things are just falling into place, right? But that's the thing where I, we have to always remind ourselves, that it's not a sprint, it's a journey. That's good. Okay, so, you know, one of the things that I want to add to to that and um, the solutions to how to deal with anxiety is to, is to realize that that dealing with 
anxiety in parenting is an active process. You know, it's it's something that you continue to evolve in. There isn't a button where you switch it off and say, oh, look at me. Mm-hmm. I'm free. I'm open. I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I am I'm. don't get triggered by anything. Free. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, it doesn't happen. It's something where you have to almost measure how you feel in the moment. You know, you have to be able to pay attention to, well, let me check in. I'm noticing that my body's responding a certain way. I'm noticing that I am I am feeling like I need to solve something. I need to get I'm going to throw my weight around, whatever that might be. Um, I think it's interesting that, you know, as we're raising our kids, uh, parenting is not about our kids. It's actually about us. This this is the next on ramp for our development and maturity. Um, and that's what our kids present for us uh, is an opportunity for yeah. us to grow. So so actively growing and actively reflecting on, OK, what's happening? Why is it happening? What is it connected to? You know, because oftentimes, like you mentioned, mm. we could be triggered by something in our own past. Yeah. You know, we could be triggered by our own trauma and see something slight that our kids do. And it causes this rush of anxiety to yeah. hit us. And now we're doing all this stuff for our kids. And it's like, well, for them, it's like, what is even happening yeah. right now? What is this connected to? Mm-hmm, yes. So you, you you don't see any of that unless you're actually watching yourself, mm-hmm. unless you're actually aware of yeah. yourself in the process. So so just just turning on the the awareness switch and and evaluating. And, and perhaps if you're not used to that, just starting off with journaling mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And reflecting that way um, until it becomes a bit more natural for you to be able to talk to your spouse or just kind of process what's happening in your world, in your life, um, in any given moment. Hey, once again, and like always, we want to thank you for uh, tuning in and listening to this episode of Defying Self Podcast. Um, listen, come back again in a couple weeks. We'll be going over defying the resistance. Essentially, how do we overcome the legitimate things that tell us to give up? Right. How do we encounter that and how do we deal with it? So looking forward to that discussion. Uh, Once again, go over to our website, get involved in the conversation um, and we look forward to hearing your thoughts. Have a good one.